So we're back with Miss Kim Zell. How so, you doing, Lenny? Uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. So I want to ask you about the screaming Rachel. She's screaming all the time at you. <laughs> you work on her because she screams when she th- It's like, yo, what, with the cats. What are the cat? What was going on with these cats going it on? It was here? a hot mess. It was just like, oh my God. It was like holes in the ceiling, cats everywhere. And it was a club. Um but, you know, she had this business head on her and I was watching for that, you know, and 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 I got so many credits for my um for my university credits toward graduating. So, you know, I was just like, OK, you know, and she was like a, in the punk kind of scene a little That's bit. What say. She's a rock and roll girl. Yeah, her, her thing was kind of like um, not even Pat Benatar, a little bit deeper than that, like a like a. Um, like a Cindy grunge Cindy Lauper, you know, like a bit of a grunge Cindy Lauper. I'm talking 1983 here, so you know the the torn up uh, fishnets. I mean, you know, all of that stuff before Madonna did it. That was basically her. And um, so, what yeah, was your job as the intern per se there? Like, what was your duties there? For I did uh, press. Okay. Yeah, I did press. I put together sort of like the flyers, um, talking to try to get a few little sponsors, um, things like that. I did make tea, make tea, uh, sweep the floor, type, <laughs> run See, from I the cats. I like, oh. And I couldn't stay there long because I just really didn't like cats. And there was a lot of them. She just had a lot of cats. I remember that. But she was very clever. Mm, and that's the thing about, you know, with her. I, and well, I'm not going to say anything negative. I uh, I met her a few times. She's really cool with me. I know there's some bad blood with some of the Chicago people and the record label stuff. But I'll leave that for another show. Probably. Um, and I haven't seen her since 1983. So Because she's involved with Chicago, uh, the tracks label. And there's just so much. Mary wrong. Sherman. Oh, that's another person. That's yeah, I, I even did <laughs> her there. Yeah. Are you intern for Larry Sherman too? I did intern at Larry Sherman. I did. You name them because they were just putting stuff on the board at Columbia College in in Chicago, and I was like, "Hey, how else are you gonna learn?" Yeah, and I went up there and I was like, "Let me just go get that because it was say record label looking for you know whatever energetic blah blah blah." Uh, come learn the music industry. He, you get down there, it's a hot mess. There's gangsters there at night about to shoot him. You know, it was just really like full on. I was like, oh my God. But, um, <laughs> wow, but um, I think I got three credits for like uh, toward my degree with, between him, Rachel, and um, some other place. Like I said, I was down at uh, at uh, DJ International Records as well with Rocky, Rocky Jones. Yeah, that was one of my really good experiences. I he put me on the road. I had to go on the road with with one of his acts. He had put together a show, like a house party, like eighty two or something like that. And they sent me to New York to be the PA for this. Lolita Holloway, Daryl Pandy, and Sean Christopher. I'll never forget in my life. And we went to New York. It's my first time in New York. It was like uh, I was their slave, basically. And um, and Lolita taught me a lot. She put me under her like wing. She took she took kindly to me. And I and I'm glad because I saw what she didn't take kindly to. <laughs> 
And if she did not take kindly to you, uh, it was all over. Because as you know, you know, they ended up sampling her voice on a lot of these different records, not paying her. She had to snatch wigs off of people. It was just like loads and loads and loads of drama kind of stuff. But um, she kind of showed me how to pace yourself kind of things and make sure you get your money first. And, you know, remember you used to get paid really well doing those clubs in, in New York back in the day, you just go get your money. She rolled it up, put it somewhere, you know, and she's like, Kim, go get the money. I was like, I ain't going to go get no money in that room back there with all the people. You need to learn, go get the money. I was like, so, so anyway, was, this, was this Paradise Garage you went to? Did you work not, at? It was like either Save the Robot, the World, Paradise Garage. It was one of these places. It was it was one of those places. Sound Factory. Um, it you was were going everywhere. You were going everywhere with her. It was. I went one place with them. The rest of the, the shows was like when I made Taste My Love for me to go. Oh, when, yeah. When I made Taste My Love. I started going to New York to sing me. No way. Before we get to who, we got to get to the part of how that happened when you made that song. So, all right. So you're oh. interning and you're working and you're working your way up and you're actually getting a force, what I call force majeure education because you're in the pit. If Lolita tells you, girl, go in there and get your coins for me, that's probably pretty much you're learning on the job training. You're on, on the job training now, right? Yeah, this is true. This is. So really are you actually true. seeing now with Lolita and them? Are you thinking, I could do this too? I could sing? Are you thinking this yet or what? I'm thinking, I don't know, because some I can't even talk about some of the stuff I saw. Because it was kind of deep. Okay. <laughs> You can because it's true ass stories, but you don't have to say what happened exactly. You could actually give you know, us. No, I mean it was some gangster shit going on. Excuse my French, but you that's know, all right. It was, it was, you know, it was like okay, well, you know, it was some gangster stuff going on. You know, the suitcases, the money underneath the thing in the back, in the back, the gun on top of the whatever, whatever. It was mafia you know, guy. You did a yeah. mafioso, right? Yeah, it was a lot of that. I grew. I was around all of that. Young ladies, um, sit, sit right here. And you got to wait to get that money. You got to be, like, be patient, right? You sit yeah, yeah, and they count it, and something else is happening, and girls coming in from this and that place. He's got like a stack of money like this. It's like, hang on. He's got the right. money like this, and he's got his hand like this. The gun's right there, right? Yes, baby, baby, baby. And the suitcase and the flute, and the, it's just, I was like, okay. Do I want to do this? <laughs> you know what I mean? But, you know, after after a while, they kind of took kind of me what you want. I said, I'm here for Lolita. Yeah, so that's what I mean here. What you, see how they just say, what you need. What you, what need. you want. I'm here for Lolita. I did not flinch. I, you know, I kind of read the room. I, Lolita had already told me to go get it. That means don't come back without it. <laughs> Because to me, that dude with all the money, guns, or whatever, was nowhere near as frightening as Lolita. <laughs> she was frightening, wasn't she? <laughs> so, you know, it was just a little test. You know, I said, go get it. And I was like, I'm here for Lolita. So we used to say, we used to say back in the old days, honey, did you get piffed? Did no. you get who? Piffed. P-I-F. Paid in full. Did you get piffed? Oh, okay. Piffed. Okay. Did you get well, so piffed. I don't oh. know what they had sent ahead of time or what, 
you know, she negotiated something. That was the other thing Lolita would do. She would negotiate something else once she got to the place, too. If they wanted a little extra, whatever, three more songs for her to hang out, blah, blah, blah. That was some more money. So I learned that too. She said, your time is your money. So they want me to stay here, do this, that, and that, too. I need five grand more. Go get the money. I was like, okay. Okay. So now you have to go in the room. I go in the room. How scary? Come on, girl. Tell people how scary that feeling is. Because Lolita just told you, I need five more thousand. (laughs) Go get the money. You know, go get get me the coins, base. Go get those coins for us, right? And now you got to go leave her and go in a room with gangster people. But I'm so naive. I, you know, I already know. I'm like, it's been arranged. However, things are arranged, but I'm thinking properly arranged. But it's not been arranged like that. It's been arranged off the cuff, blah, blah, blah. I'm going in to make sure they back up some stuff that they just said. I don't know I'm going in to make sure they backed up, backed it up. But once I said, I'm here for Lolita, she wants the money for the extra. Blah, blah, blah. Who are you? Mom, I'm the road. I'm the road. I'm working with them, blah, blah, blah. Oh, who and, and blah blah blah. You mentioned some names by then. I know a few names. I didn't see some players. I say whatever, and they're like, "Okay, she cool. Sit down. Sit down. You know, you got to just sit, sit down. Yeah, they, they not jumping to you to give you anything. You got to okay, hang tight. And and I guess a test was happening. You know, in the room, is, is she cool? Can let's show her something else. We do. Uh, you know, if somebody ain't gonna get no money, <laughs> how we handle that? And somebody, oh, that is, you know, and you sit down and you watch this stuff going on. I'm like, oh Lord Jesus, just give me this damn money so I can go back to Lolita. I don't want to be, I don't want to see nothing else. And uh, thank you very much. And then you know they go like, and they be playing with you a little bit too. And Kim, you know what I like you. You all right? You good people. But tell Lolita, that's all we giving her. Okay. Yeah, Lolita. And I guess she must have been happy. I don't know with whatever that they gave because she know them anyway, too. And it was it was thick enough. Let me just say that. It was thick enough. So she know what size supposed to feel like. I just gave it to her. So that's what they gave me. And, you know, I'm cool. She's like, okay, you are right. You, you cool. You can roll with me. And then another time I was working with her, like in London, and I was on the show. You know, I had done Taste My Love, like I said, and I've, I and I eventually ran back into these guys at some point. Um, so the way is Taste My Love the first professional recording that you ever did? Taste My Love is the first record that I ever did. Yeah. Give us, take us and take us into that room, girl. Come on. <laughs> oh, Taste My Love. Run your lapel. Take us in. Show us right. We're right there. Bring us in like. Take us in there. That's my love. Is like the first work I did. I'm like at Columbia College. I'm interning. Um, I hook up with this guy, Dwayne Powell. He's like a lawyer. And through Dottie Johnson, who was like a promoter, who was like my boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, I've been like snooping around. So I know who's doing the music. I know the names. Frankie was just coming over from New York to live in Chicago. Ron Hardy, the clubs, blah, blah, blah. And this guy, Marshall Jefferson got this record. They want me to go and sing some background vocals. And it's like, I don't know, midnight or whatever. Kim, can you come? And I was living in Chicago or whatever. And I was like, okay. So I get to the studio and they playing the track. And I'm like, oh, okay. 
And I'm like, oh, okay. And I see the girl, you know, in the studio sing, trying to sing the lead or whatever. And they're like, we just need you to do some um, breathy, taste my loves, just some breathy sounds, harmonize them, stack them. And I was like, okay, that's pretty simple. I think I could do that. You know, and I don't think I had really, like, studied hearing my voice in headphones yet, you know, cause there's a different sound, you know, when you try, when you learn it to record down a mic to lay something, it's more of a sterile kind of thing. And I don't think I had really done that really. I mean, a few times at Columbia in the classroom, but this was like, okay. But I, I was like, I got this, you know, I done seen them sing and blah, blah. So I go in and then ain't number three lines, taste my love, ooh, 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 and stack it. So um, I go in and did, I was like done in five, 10 minutes and I went sat back down. Shoot. And I'm like, okay, well, that's it. And, um, you know, nice to meet everybody. Marshall and Dwayne was sitting there, somebody else. And the girl was, you know, I'm noticing she was having a little bit of difficulty with, you know, some different parts of whatever it was that they wanted. Do you remember her, her name, the girl that was having the problem? I, I, I do not remember her name. Because um, I don't even know if she even exists on any of the recordings or anything. It's like, she's gone. I, but anyway, I so you said, all right, so you sat down. I, yeah, I just kind of sat down because, you know, they were putting my bid up under hers. And then um, I was about to leave. And then uh, I remember uh, I see, I saw them talking about something. And then Dwayne said, um, uh, Marshall said, um, she having a little bit of problem singing this. Can you just sing the lead? And I was like... Yeah, I, I could do that. Uh, no, but see, but Marshall don't talk that fast. Marshall yeah, said like, that's true. He does hey, it. He's a slow talker. Hey, hey, you know, I could hear yeah. him saying, can, can, yeah. can you go up in there and give us that? I could hear him say something like, give us that lead. And then, yeah, because he was like, whatever. Maybe, what's her name? Cynthia. Uh, he was like, uh, can you come in here, sweetie, you know, for a minute? It, it, you know, and I don't remember she was still in there when I did the lead or did they let her tell her to go home? I can't remember, you know, cause, you know, Marsha was diplomatic. This is like 1986, 85, 80, you know, early days. And I went in and I, um, and I, and I, and I did the vocal and, and finished with the song and, um, and then they started mixing it or whatever it was that they did. Now, at this point, me and Dwayne and Donnie, we had a little label. What was that? Records. Yeah, we had a little record label, the three of us. And we ended up putting that song on our label. So it was my label that we put that song on. Taste My Love, Police Records. Dwayne Powell, who I know personally. Dwayne Powell, that's right. And, 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 and Donnie Johnson. I know Dwayne very well. Yeah, so that's... That was the first um, song, and then you know. Everybody hear that? You hear that, people? Police. It was Police Records. Police Records, baby. <laughs> Why that name of all names? Police. What were you? What was the connotation behind that? Johnny Johnson came up with it. He was like a PR advertising genius. He could come up with names for things. He even spelled his name D H O N E apostrophe over the E. He was very good at um, at advertisement things and making up names. So, you know, it's a record, you know, the Phantom Records or whatever kind of records you go to these different departments and it's some kind of records, police records. 
And we're like, that's genius. Although I, you know, I wouldn't want the stigma on me to be off to begin police records. But um, yeah, it was a very, very good um, kind of time. And then Brick House Productions was our production company. And the, the, the uh, label for police records was Bricks lined up. So it was um, all of that. Yes. And, uh, and so that how do you, okay, so that's, that's your basic one-on-one record, not only as a singer, but also as a record label owner. How well did the record do for you overall? And all that we we I think we sold everything that we pressed. We only pressed two thousand copies. We pressed at Peter Pan. Remember Peter Pan um, pressing Pan. plant in uh, New Jersey. Yeah. Oh my we gosh. We pressed at Peter plant, Pan. We did not press at Larry Sherman's play, pressing plant. We went all out to Peter Pan. We got about two thousand copies. Oh, why not? Wait, wait. But why not Larry Sherman? <laughs> Tell people why you did not go to Larry Sherman. <laughs> well, you said it too. We did not go to Larry Sherman's. Oh play. yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> well, why did you not go to Larry Sherman's? Larry play? Sherman had a bit of a reputation, and you know, using reused old wax. Um, sometimes other songs would come through your song. The quality, different things. And Larry, you know, Larry was a bit of a gangster himself. But um, you know, you didn't know what you were going to have to end up paying for if you you would have to sign part of your record over to him just because you pressed it there. That's crazy. <laughs> that was crazy that he would be able to pull that kind of card out that you paid him to press your single and now you're hostage to having to sign it over to him. He, he did a lot of different stuff because you must understand that Larry, some kind of way, he got the first heart house music artist over to England. I, I don't know who he did the deal with or how he did it, but I also heard later in the UK that he would not pay some of those guys, you know, Chippy and Marshall and them and Don Adonis. He wouldn't like pay them or he hardly paid them. And the, the guys in the UK said, no, you have to pay these artists. This is just because you're the record label does not mean that, you know, it's all your money. And, you know, record labels, even the major ones will take you on a promotional tour and say that promotional tour is for free. It's like, I still got to eat. I'm not going on a free promotional tour. So, yeah. So, needless to say, we went to, to New Jersey and pressed the record Peter on that. Pan. Peter Pan pressing, yes. Yeah, Peter Pan. I'll never forget those little early things. I mean, we didn't really know. I probably should have kept the label, but... Uh, and the record got picked up by uh, DJs in the UK. And um, DJs, like... Remember they used to have that DJ uh, list? What they used to call it. Um, okay, so there was the what they called the um, tastemakers. It was a tastemakers list, and then there was another list of records that the DJs had. But it, it ended up on there, and they were playing it all through New York, like everywhere. How you doing? My name is Mazelle, and I've been checking you and your fine body out all night. I want to take you home with me. And it started off like that. And it's like had the synthesizer sounds and the, and, and these uh, 808-505 kind of little kick drum flare sound. It was just really like, it was like a deep house kind of <laughs> thing. And, and, and what happened was a DJ, some DJs in the UK picked it up, took it to the UK and started playing it on UK radio. So, um, pirate radio though. Pirate. So we didn't know. We didn't know nothing pirate. We just knew radio. 
So, you know, fast forward five months later, Adonis comes back from touring in the UK. I see his work permit. I said, oh, Adonis, can I call that person, you know, because I want to go to England, too. You Who's know? that person that you called, girl? <laughs> Who was it? For? I know it's somebody we know. Go ahead. David Levy. Wow. David, David Levy. David Levy. Yes. He brought me to the UK. First, he brought you right over. He brought me because what I didn't know, I called him. I said, Hey, hi. Uh, my name is Kim, Kim Azell, and I, I, and I want to come to London. <laughs> and, but, you know, I mean, it would have been absolutely ridiculous had that record not been there. And he said, Are you Kim Azell that may taste my love? And I said, Well, yeah. He said, You have a number one record over here. I said, I do. Yeah, well, I was going to say, what do you mean by number one? What do you mean by number one? He said, do you want to come to England? You know, basically, he said, you, basically, that was that. Uh, it was deal done because those those DJs, remember they used to fly back and forth? Everybody, you'd fly from New York DJ oh, to London, go to, um, what, Black Market Records, other uh, pick up vinyl. They were coming to America, picking up vinyl. They picked up this my record. And it was just like on the underground. This was all underground. Everything. This was our underground, but the underground was like above ground. It was putting us in places and countries and and um, making. What we considered underground was to them above ground, basically. In other sense, it's like almost. Yeah. Right. So. okay. so David Levy brings you over, tells you you got a hot record. You who licensed this record in the UK in the end? Who was the one that took it over? You remember? Well, we we didn't actually end up doing a licensing deal with that. I came over to sing. I sang "I'm a Lover" and 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 "Taste My Love" because I ended up doing "I'm a Lover" with Marshall as well. It ended up being a showcase. EMI Records were there, and I got offered a deal. <gasps> I got offered a major label deal. The first house artist to be offered. A major label deal for you hear that everyone you hear that that's a groundbreaking moment here the yeah, first yeah, house perfect. artist to be offered from emi a deal in house music go ahead so what's that international in worldwide record deal for five albums um so yeah so i was like okay you know um and everything and then from there everything just started moving so fast that i just my head was spinning you know, um, so they didn't take the EMI didn't take the, the record off the police label. They had you start to work on new material. Is that what the they deal just, was? They wanted me to, to demo a record, I guess, for their own um, benefit. And maybe if we would have negotiated it or thought about um, uh, doing that. And I don't know if that was part of the conversation with Dwayne and Rob Sawyer, because Rob Sawyer ended up uh, signing me. But the thing was for me to go in the studio and write something new. That's what I wanted to make clarified. Yeah, it was, uh, we'll pay you, we'll pay for some studio time. You go in, because Marshall was with me, and um, Cece was with with, with us. Uh, at Cece Rogers, right? Yeah, at this particular time as well, because it's, 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 uh, it's two different periods in which this happened. The first time, uh, and I, I always get it muddled. Um, That's all right. It's, it's yeah, because it's 30-something years ago now that this happened. But I recently, for my birthday, I went back to London to go to the British Museum. And then I remembered, Matrix Studio is near here. 
where we record, where we wrote useless and got to get you back. And I went to try to find it and I found it. It's not a studio. Yes. It's all, even on my Facebook page. I went down the step. I went, yeah, I was like, this is where we started house music on a major label. Da, 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 da. You know, here I went down that stair, the fifth step doesn't squeak anymore and it's all posh. But um, I was like, this is where Matrix Studio was. Yeah. Absolutely. That they helped break that door open, EMI. You remember who's the A&R that signed you? Uh, yeah, Rob Sawyer. EMI. Rob Sawyer? Rob Sawyer. Yeah. Rob Sawyer signed me. Um, Clive Black, the whole team just came and just started supporting me because they were so excited. And also they didn't know what to do because house music was a new genre. I had nine producers. Nine. Nine, maybe 11. Frankie Knuckles, Marshall, Gavin Christopher, CNC Music Factory, David Morales, um, uh, 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 Rick Wake, um, uh, so McFadden and somebody. Um, it, it was just all these people. The and, who's who of the time, basically, the hottest guys. Yeah, out. yeah, the hottest people of the time. It was like, um, how, do you feel, so how did you feel being, I mean, come on now, you, you're, you're breaking ground before any, it's like you, you're Jacques Cousteau, you're, you're, you're there first before anybody else touched that ground. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And actually I did uh, make sure everybody got work. Okay. I, so now what year I exactly? Got everybody work. All right. I so put everybody on. When I got put on, I put everybody, everybody got put on. I'm telling you, Sean, Squeaky, Gav, um, Gav, everybody got put on and, um, and got paid properly, you know, uh, off my, I did, I made sure every, I did, I really, really, really did. And, um, yeah, I did do that. I I must say. (laughs) <laughs> Tyree Cooper came on a moment ago and had me and want me to ask a question about Hey Tyree, oh my god, and Tyree, all of oh. Yes, he wanted me to know about the vocals of Video Crash, something with, with Video Crash or something. Were you the vocalist or let me see if I can find it. Tyree wrote something about ask her about that fucking I don't even want to sing, which ended up being um something yeah. that little Lewis ended up um yeah. oh uh Original, okay. Ask ask Kim about her vocals on the original video clash from Marshall Jefferson. You remember oh, that? God, vaguely, but I yes, that was that was some that was not that was some ad libs actually from um. It was a song that we wrote called "Give Me Love." And it was the ad libs from and Give Me Love should have been released, but my but EMI was moving me so fast that I skipped Give Me Love. I remember Farley Jack Master Funk said, Kim, I need that song. I still have it on cassette. And but it, it should have been um put up with the rest of the stuff. And I and, and I and so many things got um lost in the source. Got lost and didn't get used. And even even the even the crazy album was um 
they did it so fast. It was uh, the demos. I was demoing songs. They released the demos, basically. Is that how it rolled? That's how it rolled. That whole album were my demos. I was going in and flying everywhere to sing demos of stuff and to write in studios that, you know, and I thought I was going back in to, you know, fix something or, you know, do something else. And I was like, that's it. We love it. I was like, I was like, no, no, no. It's, you know. uh, oh, yeah. Who, Larry, Larry Heard uh, did it. I did a song, Larry, Treat Me Right. Um, uh, man, Chicago. I mean, oh, Tyree Cooper. Oh, my God. Tyree. Oh, my God. Okay. So, so I remember Useless is being played for a while before, before EMI drops that single. I remember. Yeah. It was like on the underground. It was like pre-release before I, before I even knew, uh, before it was, yeah. <laughs> Once we recorded it, they were just like, here, give it to us. We're going to, and and they just put it out there. Aside like um, white labels, remember white labels and all of that kind of stuff. And what was the name of that DJ list thing? I can't remember the name of it. But anyway, it was put on that. It, well, I think, I'll tell you, I think I'll tell you. Coleman had put it on Billboard like hundred before it was released. And and uh who who else was um Tony Humphreys is a big reason. Tony, Tony Humphreys jumped he on that song. That Killed that record. He played it weeks, months. It was months he was running before it came out. People were begging for the record to come out. Wow. I wish I'd known. But I was like over in London. Now, see, this is the other thing that a a lot of people don't understand, too, about um, house music and dance hall from Jamaica. It fueled the pirate radio stations, Kiss and Choice. They didn't really have music. They took house to create those two stations and dance hall from uh, Jamaica and um, all of the early house records and useless was played to death at Kiss FM radio. And they, after like about a couple of years, they went into becoming a major, um, radio station, but house Chicago house music, and then maybe Detroit and, and then uh, New York. I don't know which way it went, uh, next, which, how it fell. The Jack, 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 all of that is what, um, gave the listenership to the pirate radio stations in the UK. It mm. all of those records because they didn't they didn't have stuff. And and then the Lovers Rock um dance hall from Jamaica. Those two genres or new genres because those were new genres being birthed. Really? Yeah. And you part again here we are. You again, again. Here we are. You are number one in the first position of playing when ground is being broken. So we're hearing your song being played all over the radio in the UK. Well, I should, I should say London, because Kiss FM was a London station. Yes, Kiss it FM was London. Time. You Radio Clyde was like Scotland, Glasgow, Edinburgh, that area. Then you had in Manchester was... Um, Oh, what's his name? Because uh, you had the Hacienda, and I'm trying to think of his name right now. Mike Schaff ran the radio station in in Manchester and that whole area. Then you had another station in Sheffield, and, and then another one in Leeds. And, and I went, I'm telling you, John, I went from city to city, town to town. I was like up and down that motorway left. I mean, really, I was Harriet Tubman of House Music, for real. I was like... Every radio station, 
every little club. EMI had me really, really uh, breaking like boundaries and, and really working that sound house uh, house as it's becoming pop as it's becoming mainstream you know what i mean myself a diva um it was just basically me and pat you know because none of that other stuff crystal waters cc they hadn't even that that hadn't even none that happened yet let's have the surname of pat which a, a, a diva that's right i want everybody to know because i know i know it's patricia but it, anyway oh yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, so basically, and Allison. Limerick. No, Allison Williams. Oh, Allison Williams. Been talking in your... So, so Allison, it was, yeah. Yeah, and that was, I mean, it was us, the three of us, really. Really, the two, me and Pat, just all... Groundbreakers, total groundbreakers. Oh, oh, that was us, and that was it. And then, like I tell people, I say, I, I opened the door and they left me holding the doorknob because after that, they, they ran us over. And, you know, before you knew it, everybody had like some type of, and, and Tyree will know that too. They started picking up on the sound and blah, 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 blah. And blah, 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 blah. But, did, um, you, did you with any of these songs on EMI, were they able to get them to go into the main chart? And uh, get, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Girl, you got us. Top 40. I became like top 40, top 20 mainstream artist, top of the pops every Thursday. Um, uh, my gosh. Um, tour. I, I remember I, I sold out Wembley eight nights. My first gigs in the UK was, yeah, after those initial sort of like, um, we call them uh, showcases. I end up like opening 1989 for um, uh, Alexander O'Neill. Our first show, we sold out Wembley Stadium, Wem Wembley Arena, eight nights in a row. So, and and I remember the po the thing on the wall was Kim Mazel from one end of Wembley to the other. I had live band. I put. I had part of uh, Terrence Street D'Arby's band. I had Sean Christopher with me, Donnell Rush. I was like, y'all got to come with me. I don't, like I said, I was putting everybody on. They wouldn't let me bring over musicians um, from, from Chicago at that point. They used, like I said, I used Terrence Strip D'Arby's band, some of his band and, and somebody else. Cause Terrence was out. He was hot. Wishing love. Oh, wishing well. Kiss and tell. So, you know, I ended up with some of those guys. Every TV show I was on, breakfast TV, breakfast radio. I mean, I go to Harrods with a private shopper and um, Damelier cars and Rolls Royces. I mean, all of that. I lived around the corner from um, what's Elizabeth Taylor and what's his name? Uh, Robert Burt, Richard Burton. I mean, you know, all, all, all of the everything. You, winner takes it all. Every. Everything you went from the girl down the street to everything, the, I mean, everything to the queen of house. I mean, everything working with Mick Jagger, working with Van Morrison, working with Soul to Soul, everything, everything, okay. everything, Grammys, um, nominations, blah blah blah, gold records, the platinums, uh, six time platinums with the Romeo and Juliet, um, uh, project, um, for uh with Leonardo DiCaprio and um, 
Baz Luhrmann. I did Young Arts Work Free. We went six times platinum, blah, the world, you know, just all of these things. Mainstream fashion show, John Gautier, John Paul Gautier making my shoes. All, I mean, all of it, all of it. Yeah. I, I don't like to talk about all that stuff. because I have to talk about it. It's, I guess so, yeah. It, well, it's an accomplishment beyond accomplishment. Look, let's, let's take it down one notch. Think about it. You went from interning, creating your own label, to EMI picking you up, and then this. So, yeah. so did it happen overnight, in a sense? <laughs> See what I'm saying? When they say it happens overnight, did it really happen overnight? Or did it take a lot of time to get it to that? It took a lot moment. of preparation, you know, for them. But even in the prep and even coming, like, being in Chicago and at the school and all of this, I had a daughter. I'm a single mom as well. Tell us. How would that you know what I mean? I'm a single mom as well. I was singing jingles as well to put myself uh, through school and to look after my daughter. My daughter stayed in the dorm with me. And I was, like, on the, on the north side of Chicago at... Um, Mondelein College, right next to Loyola, are all women's Catholic college because they were the ones that would allow me to bring my daughter to stay in the dorm with me. And then I did a, um, a student exchange program with Columbia College downtown. So I was in between these two um, places because I was at Columbia, at Mondelein, I was singing opera. I was singing opera. I was singing Puccini, uh, like La Traviata, Tosca, La really? I was I was learning opera. I was like interested. I thought I was going to be like um, Latine Price or or Grace Brumbury or or um, yeah, uh, one of those big old divas. So I was. I even did an internship at the Chicago Lyric Opera House as well, and sang in the choir with Pavarotti. That's just a little side note. I got to do some. Uh, uh, uh. So, um, so yeah, this is like a multitask. I remember Dwayne used to say, are you never not working? I was like, I'm trying to figure all this, you know, stuff out. I used to sing jingles at, um, at Morgan Proctor's mom's advertising studio, Proctor and Gardner. And Barbara Proctor was the first black woman to own her own advertising agency in Chicago. She was bigger than Oprah. Oprah hadn't even got there yet. And she did all of the jingles and at and, and, and Burrell. So I'm like, um, I'm just, you know, and all of that was fun. The journey's been amazing. You know, it's the west side of Chicago in that little crazy apartment with Marshall Jefferson and, um, oh God, and, and everybody just coming through. It was just so many uh, people like coming through. Me and Robert Owens, I love Robert. When we came over here and we were like, uh, performing um, in, in, in in Germany before the wall came down. Me, Byron Stingley, Ten City, all of us, we did the first tour. We were the first house music artist to have a tour with a live band. Was it, was it called house music officially? Hmm. I don't remember it being called house music yet. As it was told by us, we called it that. But I'm talking from the commercial side of the business. Yeah, I don't think it was, actually. And I'll tell you why. I don't think it because actually was. Dance music was the stepchild. 
of the music industry. They hated dance music at the majors. They hated all of us and they hated everything. They did. Right? Kim, tell them. They hated us. They hated us. They hated us so much that the man that I did an internship with, Steve Dahl at WLS, did a whole campaign, Disco Sucks, and blew up every dance record in, in, um, what was it, Cubs Park or in White Sox Park. He did that. They they did. They they absolutely hated it. Oh, my God. It's so much. It's just so much. We broke so many barriers. Yeah, I'm right. That's why I want you to make sure you clarify that. We because so much. It's, it's like so much. You know, my head is like going like, ah, oh, and trying to, you know, go back to, you know, different things. And when you first heard, you know, um, Jack, 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 Jack your body, Jack your body, those kind of things when you first heard it in the club and so many broken beats just on a cassette that you would just take to Ron Hardy or one of the other DJs, and what was the name? Um, Tyrese, listen, there the, was the, the gay club on the north side of Chicago. Why can't I think of the name of that club warehouse? right now? What was it called? Warehouse? Not the warehouse. Even though the warehouse is very important in Berlin, it was another place. Where's Tyree Cooper? Come on. It was another place. It was another place. Um, but the warehouse was just like amazing, and I was like, that was like in the meat district and you, like you say, you wake up early in the morning, you know, not wake up, you come out the club early in the morning and all the butchers, you can see just cows hung upside down. Somebody wrote, somebody wrote, Reginald wrote the Rays. The Rays was one too, but. Generator. Oh, wow. The generator. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> Power. There so many clubs though. Power plant. Power plant, no, not, but that was another one too. We're getting close, everyone. It was so many. It was so many. Um, you know, in in that area now, it's full of lofts, and 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 DJ International has been renamed the street, uh, Randolph Street, uh, which is where the warehouse was. And you know, early in the morning, the blood running down the street from all because it was the meat district. And when you leave in the morning, uh, obviously the butchers are up early, getting ready to sell the meat, and we be coming out of. Um, looks, you know, um, the nightclub looks like daylight. Go catch me up again. And uh, and it did, and just all the music, and that's when we went to dance. We didn't even go there to mate or court or, or you know, to meet anybody. You just went to dance, and, and a track would come on or a beat would come on, and and from from me, one of my favorite songs. I used to love Lisa Lisa and Cold Jam. I wonder if I take you home. They used to mix that with some kind of weird break beat from some Casio whatever kind of song, and I was like. All and and just so many different songs. I just I can't even remember the name of, of all of the Acid House that was just house. It was more electronic. But then of course they had to give it a name and break it up because they took our music, cut it up for parts, and sold it. That's right. That's exactly That's what they did. It, 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 they stripped us like 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 a like a chop shop. <laughs> Yeah, they did. How long does this stardom and this star power for you really last when you hit that moment of, you know, you said, I was with around the corner living from Elizabeth Taylor. I went to Harrods. I'm all over on the top shows. How long does it really last for you? For me, about 20 years. 20 years? Until I wanted it to stop because, and, 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 because I, I, I had, I, 
I had to stop because it would have just kept going, maybe even more than that. But, you know, I, I'd say that fast, 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 a good 10, 12, because I had to stop. I, wow. I did because it was, I couldn't exhale. I couldn't breathe. It wouldn't let me go. It just wouldn't let me go. I mean, I, I lived with Shaka Khan for five years, and that is a lesson in itself. And a beautiful lesson of what a wonderful, you know, woman. So many people I met just coming by her house just to have dinner, you know, Greg filling games and all these different people, you know, while they're on tour with Michael, you know, going to the World Music Awards in the south of France. All of that stuff I'm doing with uh, the prince of whatever I met. I had lunch with Princess Diana in 1989. You know, all of these things. I'm like, it just was so surreal. And then, you know, the demands and then the and the, the people that hang on, that you can't figure out who's who, uh, what do they want. After a while, you know, you go like, something's, you know, something, something's funny. And, and then it, it just, it, it just became like, like a lot. It just became a lot. And I just was like, okay, I just need to breathe and just go back to Gary and Indiana, you know, you just, you know, Michael, even Michael Jackson wrote him going back to Indiana, <laughs> you know, everybody just needs to kind of like, uh, exhale, exhale. Yeah. How long did you go home for? Well, I didn't, I just moved. That's what I'm trying to figure out. I, I never made it. I just really didn't. I mean, I always went home like every year, like Christmas and different things like that, just to, you know, whatever, whatever. But I never like my mind still stayed in, 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 in the, um, in that heavy rock and roll state, sex, drugs, and rock and roll state, heavy, heavy, heavy. So I was like, I got it. I just need to exhale. I just, how do I, um, and, and, and when you're trying to let go of some things, you don't want to lose everything, but sometimes the only way to, to, to let go is just, you just got to let go and, and, and let the chips fall as, as they may. But why, why would you see, let me, let me give you the outside. That's just what I'm tired. Let me, let me, let me give it to you from somebody who's trying to get in. Now imagine someone that's saying, God, I wish I could even get a chance to get a record deal. And here you are, you're getting everything you could maybe not even dream of. You didn't know it existed. You were just going with the flow as things were unfolding, right? You're in the machine. In it. In it deep, day to day, as we day say. Day. How do you give it, how do you say enough? Enough. Why and why? Was it going to kill you? And what was the deal? It's just, it's not easy to say nothing, you know, um, you do get tired. You do get tired. I, it starts moving too fast. I remember I was talking to Sherelle, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And she was like, she, she said, she just called and said, this train is moving too fast. I need to get off just, you know, for a moment just to take off these eyelashes or take these heels off or take this bra off or just, you know, just to exhale just for a second. Because once you get in that machine, it's a constant and you have to be uh, on. You have to be on. You have to be on. And then 
you may have some some little, you know, appetites, some little midnight appetites too that kind of creep in. So you got, you know, and somebody if they find out about that, my God, they gonna come in like those things on the Matrix that was coming to tear down the house, boy, my God. And then everybody's got a song or a cousin or a tour or something for you to promote or somewhere for you to go. And sometimes it sounds all right, you know, cause it's on a big level. You don't know what to pick when it's like, do, do you work with Van Morrison, Mick Jagger or, or, um, I go to lunch with Princess Diane. You know, it's all these big things and you don't know what to pick. It's so many choices of of everything. And some of them are wrong, but they look right. You know, some some once you get down that rabbit hole, not everything is is good. It, not not everything is good. Once you get your own label, pace your own self, and run your own business. But that's what I was going to ask you. Can you give someone, like, if, if if I was coming up the business and asked you that question, what's the pitfall? Like, you would say to somebody, be careful. What, you know, what do you have to be careful with? Like, what is the part that you My, dealt with, been around it, and you understand it? What is that? Don't believe the hype. What do you mean? Don't believe the hype. Like, all the promotion and all the press and all that stuff you can get caught up in, in, in a lot of the hype for people coming to offer you things, even even like some of the biggest agents or managers that might sign you to, to something. Sometimes they've signed you to like a ball and chain and you might not eat to their own dream of what they think you should do, which is so far from what you want to do. You know, I had I had a situation where this guy was like one of the biggest managers. The record company hooked me up with him. And and I and I went with him because I figure I signed a big contract with them. This is their person, I guess. It, you know, he manages whatever, whatever. But at the same time, someone had privately come to me for me to do a tour of 20, 30 shows in theaters around England, which is what I really wanted to do, which would have built me up self-contained doing shows. Okay. That manager went to those people and canceled the whole thing because he thought. I didn't have anything to promote, which I had a new album and we could have pulled any single off of that. But the other thing he felt was some of them just be like whacking their own selves when they got power over you to go and speak for you in front of someone else. They're like, no, this still isn't good enough. We're going to crash it. And Kim's not doing it. Well, Kim would have done it. It would have benefited me. But now this new player that I've given power to has talked to me out of a deal that I really could have used for forever. And maybe those people would have benefited me more, even down this road 20, 30 years later, more than this guy that I fired him like about four months after that, or maybe a year after that, because it just wasn't working. He couldn't deliver um, what he said he was going to do. And I start seeing that it was too entrenched in the record company. Cause sometimes when record companies sign you, they send you the lawyer, they send you this and da 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 da, and it's all in, and you lose total control. Total control. So that's, I, it. that's a hard thing to deal with when you lose total control. That's, that's what those major deals were, you know, you, you, you know, you. And, and they, they would ask you, oh, what do you think this and that and blah blah blah, because I was a new artist with a new genre. Um, you know, some things, you know, but not, not all, because that, 
boss had another boss that had another boss and they're trying to bring in units and numbers and crack this form of music before the next group catch on that this is going to be a new the UK knew that this was going to be the next form of music before we figured it out before we figured it out they had their next 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 and next already lined up they had DJs to replace all the Marshalls and all of the Frankies they had Fat Boy Slims and Pete Talk they had them ready Oh, she laid it out. They, she's laid it. And, and, and it's real. This is so real. It's called business. Nothing personal. And um, they you manufactured go all their people. They manufactured everything they needed, right? They, they, they were sending over young Chicago people to get the blueprint of house. Once they got the blueprints of how the formula worked, they started tweaking it because that's what they did for forever. They did that with the blues, with rock and roll. You know, they did that with uh, Motown for something. That's what they do. We were like, really, I mean, you're not going to be on on top of all of that. You're trying to pay your bills once you get and sign that deal. Once you get and sign that deal, you're trying to recoup once you sign that deal. You know what I mean? You're trying to be honorable to what you signed. And 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 I, I was like, wow, I've signed this. I, I need to make good. You know, so where they sent me, I went. And some of it really worked. Like if you went up to down north or south on on the weekend, I don't care how grubby the place, and you did three or four shows Thursday, you were on top of the pops with a top 40 record. And that's how it worked. A lot of artists didn't want to do that because they were either from some of the American ones didn't understand it. Some of the British ones thought it was, I'm not going to that place. I said, shithole, you know, whatever. I took my place myself to every shithole that there was or whatever, if you want to call it. People were there, people that loved my music and I respected them. I didn't know that that was how it worked to get you to top of the pops or how it worked to keep you still working for 30 years later. But that investment of that, that is what it brought. That sounds like to me the American equivalent of saying the Chitlin circuit. Whatever you want to call it, baby. Chitlin gigs are the gigs that you take up. They're not real payers and they're not in the best of places, but they actually make the difference of keeping you in the game. They made like so, so, so many people you don't even hear of them anymore. And it's it's like, I mean, I'm on tours now. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm like, I've been booked as long as I you know, want to get, to get booked. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, obviously we had COVID and we're coming back from that, but we've got new shows and things coming up now and festivals coming up now here in the UK that, you know, I'm part of. Um, I also was a, you know, the record company put me in front of television cause I'm a likable person. And so I did all of the morning breakfast shows as well. So people got to know my face, my name, my story, you know, I did like I did a soap opera, you know, where I paid the American diva coming to England to buy a horse. You know, so I, I was able to kind of, um, you know, do 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 a lot. But I was also, you know, I was away from home. I was in a foreign country. I didn't understand pounds, yen, um, a peso, all of that kind of stuff. You know, I had to kind of learn, um, you know, on, on my on my on my feet and then. And then me and Jocelyn hooked up, me and Jocelyn Brown um, hooked up and, and we did a duet project 
because Simon Cowell came to me to do another record. And then um, this was in the 90s, too. Simon Cowell was at BMG. And um, and we just started talking. And then he went from, you know, it being me to say, what, what, what about we did like a duet with somebody and something like this? And I can't totally remember, but so I do remember first I thought about Gwen Guthrie. I do. Yeah, I do remember that I was like, you know, I did think I was like, oh, you know, but then Jocelyn was in in the UK as well. Living as well. He had been in London. And I, you know, we were crossing each other like ships in the night. So I didn't really, uh, I wasn't on shows with her yet. But obviously, I knew her. She's a brilliant artist. I knew her music and everything. And I was like, well, shit, if she's here, let's. Come on, what are, you, what, what are we waiting for, you know? That's and, another you know, It was like, you know, and it was like two powerhouses. It was like, she's like the first lady of disco, first lady of house, you know? So it was like, and you know, we did two songs in politics. We should have done a whole album, but politics. And uh, Stock Aiken and Waterman uh, were the producers, but we did uh, um, Enough is Enough and... Um, a cover version of Give Me All Your Loving by, um, you know, ZZ Top. We did dance, like, high-energy um, versions, but the, the, our voices just blend so well together. The videos look amazing. And all of my music I had videos for, too. That was the other thing. Like, mm. all the videos, everything, they, they rented, like, a, a bridge for me to shoot, you know, like, Tower Bridge all night. I'm like, what is, you know, it's just, like, kind of, Blessed, you know, in a lot of ways. You're yeah, blessed. I am blessed. I am, so, I am truly blessed. Okay, so with the blessing comes up, you have to, as we always say, we have to pay the piper. I knew you was gonna say pay the piper, baby, <laughs> and you do. The blessings and what's to give? What do you have to give up in 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 to have all this? Well, I, I, home. Right, you know that, and and you having your daughter with you, oh, family, friends, um, you know, you wanted somebody to share, you know, um, you know, stuff, um, just just regular kind of um, rapport that Americans have, like on the street with each other. None of that happened in the UK because they just weren't those. They weren't wrapped that kind of way. It was gray all the time. You know, so you had to keep your, I had to keep my energy up in the UK because it was rainy. I wasn't used to all the rain and, you know, it's just like a lot. Food. Food, um, food is a big change for me. Oh, food. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't even know where a grocery store was. Nobody told me. They don't tell you everything. You know, like some, if you even said to someone, oh, what's the heads up on this? They would, well, what's that mean? You know, it, it, it was just really different stuff, you know, like how even like at home, so many little things you take for granted, even in the grocery store, how somebody will say something to you, you have a little conversation or whatever, you get some little good energy or you see something funny just driving down the street or somebody say, yo, at the stoplight, all of those little nuances were gone. That's huge. I Everything. Know. All of that. But, but you have a great trade-off. You give up that and look at the dream that you live at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. It's it, This is the truth where they say you can't have your cake and eat it too, honey. Where's my piece of cake at? <laughs> <laughs> I 
but you know, I'm, 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 um, I love people. I love music. I, I love, I love uh, my hometown, Gary, Indiana. I go back and do things more now than I was able to do. And you know, time will pass. The time will come where you would be able to do that. But sometimes you're starving for it so much that you might jump the gun and leave something too soon too, where you've like, you should have, you know, not left so soon, um, you know, as well. But also people could have explained a lot of things to me, but that's not their culture. You know, that's just what you just had to figure that shit out. And those days, people, children of the night, there was no such thing as let me Google it. Oh, there was no Googling anything. Um, there was no selfies. Um, this I remember is camera, everything. And I'm everything. glad. And it's because I'm really glad. Child. <laughs> I I'm glad that. there was no cameras in some ways, except for like when I was in the club with um uh what's it what's her name that was married to um to John Kennedy, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. When I was in the club with her, I wish I would have had it. But you know what? I wouldn't have taken a picture because it was people's time out. I just happened to be in a members club, private, one of them level ones. And I remember she walked in the door and I was like, well, damn. Wow. I was like, like American royalty. That's like saying one of our queens, our former queens. Yeah, I was I was like, okay, And she was just playing jumper on some jeans, just coming in just to get some music, you know, feel the vibe there in London. Uh, at Browns, mm. no Browns. If you know, you know, and uh, I don't believe that there. <laughs> Will they let your hair come down? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of things happen at Browns. <laughs> it's like saying, "What stays in Vegas stays in Vegas." What happens? Yeah, this so you know, some so many beautiful moments, and um. You know, just just so much stuff, and like, and, and Tyree would know, and and anybody else from Early House, uh, Tyrese would know, and anybody else from Early House music, Mike Dunn, and everybody, um, Vince Vince Lawrence, um, yep. uh, David David Morales, and um, all all of those brothers that they just really embraced me, um, you know, everywhere because, I, like I said, I was able to give them all like a lot of people their first like big remixes where you got paid 15 grand for a remix. You know what I mean? Go ahead now. So, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it can't, I still, you know, that was recoupable from me, you know, as well. You know what I mean? You're not writing the check right there and there, but it is recouped from the royalties coming in. Yeah, exactly. So it is still me, you know, like um, extending, you know, stuff out um, and so many different people. Um, Cincy Music Factory and um, so many, so many different early people that I can't remember everybody's name, but I remember the faces and the places and backstage and, um, you know, New Jersey, big, big up to Club 88 and all those early places that um, lounge. Zanzibar, Zanzibar, everybody you had to go through those places to get you to graph and to learn, you know, and even like with salt and pepper, I worked with them early on a lot. David, um, Shaw, um, a friend of mine too, David Shaw. Yeah. Dave Shaw. Um, you know, the basement boys, um, uh, so many people, 
uh, what's the name that used to tour with me when I first when I first did Taste My Love? Um, Xavier Gold. Ooh. Uh, mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> he used to hold me. I can't even ooh, child me and Xavier. We had some we had some fun times. Oh my god. On. I bet you carried on. Just just learning, you know. Um, and I would remember things that Lolita said, get that money and put it in your girdle. <laughs> Soul to Soul, when did you work with Jazzy and how did that go? Because you've been involved with him for a long time, right? With, with soul Jazzy. to Soul, yeah. Happy Face, a thumping bass for a loving race. Me and Jazzy B met at um, the WAG Club after I finished a set at 3 in the morning. I had just finished singing, singing Useless and Got to Get You Back and Was It All It Was and all those songs. And him and Nellie Hooper were standing on the side of the stage. I already knew Nellie. But I didn't know that it was a soul-to-soul connection. I don't even think I... And people would say, well, were you under a rock? I don't even think I really knew of soul-to-soul because I was promoting that heavily, that album that I had done for EMI. So when he was on the side of the stage that night, he came up and said, Kim, you want to come to the studio and blow a tune? And in his reggae Jamaican accent with the dreads and everything. And I was like, okay. And I remember we went somewhere in London, beautiful studio, and everything was going on. It was buzzing. Three studios. People went every studio. And he played this beat for me. And I heard the beginning of the beat. And he was like, can you write something to that? I was like, I can write something to that. And I almost instantly, the song came out. It's almost like it would have been sitting in there. And when I heard the beat, you're the sweetest. That's the way I'm missing you, boy. Love is so sweet. It was almost like, almost instantly, him and uh, Funky Ginger, Simon Law, were in there. And I went in the studio and I recorded that song that night. And the energy was so full in Studio 2, they were remixing Ghetto Heaven. And in the other studio, they were remixing um, Nothing Compares to You. Wow. So that night, those three, Sinead O'Connor's song, Nothing Compares to You, was happening. I wrote Missing You and Ghetto Heaven was being remixed. That night, I'll never forget it in my life. And that what studio, where was this? But what studio was? Do you remember where it was? It was in kind of Bell Size Park ish. Um, uh, yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah, wow. and uh, funky friends was everywhere. Weed, you can smell weed everywhere. Curry goats, uh, saltfish, dumpling, food, food, food. Everything was going on. Everything. Daddy Harvey, Jazzy B, Neptile, Nellie Hooper. So all those people from Bristol, because Nellie Hooper was from the Bristol. Um, England, point of, that's where Nana Cherry came from. That's where um, uh, 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 Tricky, uh, Goldie, that was that energy. So that energy was there. And then you had like uh, the Africa Center energy, which was like one of like sort of like um, would have been a high Park kind of Chicago Hyde Park kind of vibe of, of energy and people with the dashikis and the dreads, but they were like dreads, dreads for real. <laughs> so it was like, it was just so, and then there's me 
you know, in the mix and with all the music and, you know, back then I probably blew a joint too. I probably was like, okay. <laughs> Cause we talking 1989, the end of 89 going into, cause it was for the album, uh, 1990 new decade. I think there, there's one of the, Oh, how do I do this hand? That hand. Yeah. This way, that way. That's one of the gold records from that album. And that, and that one, oh, that one. <laughs> so you actually had the writing, you had the writing piece of it too then, of the song. Yeah, I wrote it as well, Good yeah. You. I wrote Good it as well. You. And that other one too, Love Me the Right Way, this hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. Oh, Love Me the Right Way, that's the platinum for that one. And I wrote that too with Leon Ware. Um, so it's, you know, I've always been writing. I've been writing since I was like 14. But, um, so it was just like, um, yeah, it was, and then we, of course, we we ruled the world. We went on tour, world tour, soul to soul, every country in the world. Number one band, um, Grace Jones opened up for us in some places, and I ended up touring with her too. And that's a whole other story, child. And then, and some other places, Snap opened up for us, Penny Ford, and um, and uh, yeah, Snap. So it was just. It was all, it was, everybody was crossing each other. You'd see Oasis somewhere. You'd see McHutno. You'd see, and that was, and that was, you know, and I'd have my daughter with me. She'd be on tour with me too on her summer break. So, you know, she was in the rooms as well. And, and all of the energy, Don Taylor and people like that, who he was managing us and he had managed, um, Bob Marley and, 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 and all these people, you know, so it was really, and those early days with Lolita and being in that room with the money and the guns really helped on the road. Once the big, big stuff came in, I was like, hey, I hadn't seen this before. So, you know, there's been stories of where, you know, sometime the supposed to pick up the suitcase, the dude and some girl and picked him up and he in the hotel with the girl suitcases in the room. And the girl mm. in the suitcase with the money and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff on tour with, you know, it was a lot. And, you know, you, and the crazy part is <laughs> when you're at that level, the stuff you're offered is nuts. The drugs, everything. It's just like you don't have to pay for nothing. It's like the first thing they say, what do you need? What kind of gear you need? Right? They ask you, well, I, what do you mean gear? <laughs> yeah, what do you need? A Speedo. Swim cap, they got swim yeah, cap. I don't need no gear. Right, not that kind of gear. I'm like, what kind of gear are you talking? Oh my god, it's just like everybody when Rick James says, when Rick James says that's a hell of a drug. Yeah, I did that. It's a hell of a drug. Wait a minute, I didn't do that. Oh yeah, I did that. <laughs> I did that, yeah. But I mean, bless you, bless you, bless you. So screen acting, BBC, all that stuff, touring the world, took a break, come back. What's happens here now for you, for you forward? Where are you going now? 
touring again, festivals. You're back in the touring mode already? Back in touring back? mode with live bands. Um, uh, right before COVID, we had played uh, Sydney, Australia, the um, opera house with a 50-piece orchestra, myself, um, Norma Jean from Chic, Ultranate, Cynthia Johnson, who did Funky Town, and um, Denise Pearson from Five Star. So we were doing live orchestra. You know, the house orchestra garage stuff is really major. I've got um, a single drop-in like this month, the end of this month. Another one in October, um, a Rediscover album, which you can do pre-orders now. It's myself. It's a compilation album. It's like myself, Wang Chong, Lee John, because there's a lot of British artists. Uh, Lee John, Kiki D, um, Five Star, uh, Junior Gliscom, who did Mama Used to Say, uh, and myself. And we're all doing, uh, I can't, doing a different song that we, that we like. Like, I picked an okay. uh, old Motown tune and flipped it. And uh, it's... Funky than a donkey. It really is. All right. It really is. It's so good. And so doing that, been doing um, television, as I was telling, saying to you before we came on, I do a lot of the panel shows where you talk about um, music from the 80s, 90s, 70s, different artists. So I've been doing some of those things. Um, Damn, girl, you know a lot. And you know what? Now that I had this conversation, you do know a lot of things. Like, you're deep. It's not like you're just a regular artist. You've been around enough to, you know, life experience and in the trenches to be one of those people to give a personal opinion. Yeah. You know, from, a, from an experienced background. That yeah. makes wealth worth, I mean, all the money in the world you made. Forget Thank that. You. That is what you take. The legacy is if anything that you knew and been involved and you can pass that wisdom on. Trust, yeah. that's huge. Yeah, yeah thank you. Kudos. Thank, you. thank Kudos. you. And I've been able to do that, you know, was doing like some master master class programs over at Columbia in Chicago, uh, working with some of the young people in my hometown. With music. We did a program where we were bringing them to London before COVID, you know, giving them from Gary, Indiana to do a trip to London and uh, take them to a musical. I took them to see Thriller live, which was a Michael Jackson story. And I had the, the uh, benefit of being in the original ones that Michael saw to give his approval. So I knew the producers of that. And we brought the kids from Gary to see a Gary, you know, artist story. So I was able um, to do that on. Um, I mean, you're in Thriller. You're in the original Thriller live uh, a musical. Yeah. Yeah. A live musical, right? Okay. Yeah, so I was in the original one for that. I did musical theater as well. So, you know, I, I just... How did you not do? <laughs> that's what Dwayne Powell used to say. <laughs> I want to know, know what you haven't done. What's on the bucket list that you need to do? Because I'm waiting to hear that now. What's on that bucket list? If I told you, I'd have to kill you. <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell because I am doing it, actually. I'm, I'm in the midst of doing it, actually, right now. So we're but, gonna know, some know. of the other stuff that I do do at home and that I want to build is like the uh, is, is community farming, urban farming and that type okay. of things growing, like teaching the neighborhoods uh, vegetables and flowers and stuff like that. So that's something I'm looking at. And um, and it's really a, it's a good thing. 
But yeah, I have. Um, yeah, I, I, you making me bring it out. So you're an excellent interviewer, Lenny, because I don't really usually talk about. Nobody talks like this on any other show because there's no forum that understands what we do. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, 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 I just normally just go like, um, so you know, I was a single and this and that. And then on to the next thing. No, we don't. We know all that. We yeah. know you've spoken about that. I want to hear the dirt. I want to hear the, the National Enquirer stuff, the stuff that you, if someone was to say to you, Take the curtain and just pull it over. Let's see inside. That's what we want to see. Not, you know, we all know that you've had the huge success. We all know that, you know, God bless you. You've been able to sustain this career for not just 10 years, not for 20, but for many more decades than that, right? For three decades and going on the fourth. It's wow, pretty great. It's awesome. I, you know, I don't even explain it. Right. So you have to take a step back and say, my God, I've been doing this this long and still and still in fashion and still sort it out. People want you. Incredible, yeah. right? Yeah, it, it's it's really, truly a blessing, you know. Um, yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking, I don't know why I'm thinking about like on in, in Germany, 1989, me and Ten City getting pulled over by the Gestapo. At, uh, at 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 a, a service station at a gas station, we were just young kids. Like I said, we were on the first house acts to ha to perform with a live band. We were on the road, going just about to go to Berlin, and we get out of the tour bus to go to the bathroom at the gas station. While you're there, you're gonna get some food or whatever. We're playing. We're like, hey, hey, we just did a gig. It was great. And we're getting on the van. The, the driver gets his petrol, whatever. And we're driving off. The next thing, I mean, really, literally, the Gestapo pull around with the cars and surround us uh, at the damn border. Get out. Wait, first, they come on, where's your passports? Took all of our passports, made us get out of the tour bus and line up in a single file. The Gestapo, the German police. Nineteen Just because we got because we got out of the car at the service station. This is when the wall was up and they thought we might have been smuggling people across the border. We want to see your papers. And that is what that is what one of the guys in the band kept doing. And Byron was telling him, stop acting silly. But he kept saying, we want to see your papers. And we're Why like standing there going like, stop papers. saying it. <laughs> We want to see your papers. But they did. Damn and right they want to see your papers. They, I know they were looking for your papers. They was looking for our papers, and uh, we eventually, we crossed the border into Berlin, past that wall. Yeah, but remember, everybody, everybody's going, how dare they? It's 1988. Yeah. Nine. This is a different world, people. Yeah. Nobody has a, a camera phone. Nobody has a cell phone with them yet. And if they got snuffed out, nobody would have even known. There was nobody to know. Nobody would have saw it. There would have nobody, no videos from it. And quietly just went away. To see your papers. I mean, yes. I'm telling you, I'll never forget that in my life. And then six months later, I was doing the after party for you two when the wall came down. 
See that? Groundbreaking historical moment. I took one of the bricks in the wall, too. I don't you know where it is. Eric Clapton, when Eric Clapton was doing his performance, were you there, too? I think he did a live performance from the wall, too, when they took it down. I think they are. I think he was on. I, I didn't watch the whole concert. I came, I came to do, like, the after party. Remember them underground, underground German clubs? Underground. Dirty. Oh, I remember. Of course, I remember. They were oh, yeah. dirty, dirty, dirty. <laughs> I remember dirty. my sister-in-law came back from Germany at that time. She went over with her boyfriend, and she brought home a brick. I remember that we had that. We saw it. She brought home a brick. I remember. It's like yes, I can remember seeing the whole thing. It's like crazy. They wore it's all crazy. the on television. This Girl, crazy. you got history, history. She's got history, historical. Yeah, and me and me and Kyra were sitting there looking at each other, like, "What? What? We want to see your papers." And I can see Byron because I know Byron so well. Man, shut up, man. I can yeah, just hear he was telling him, "Shut up, Don't shut up, man." And I'll kill you. We go. I can just hear Byron saying it. <laughs> All of us at a point because he kept going. He was like. Because for him, it was a comedy moment. It was, if I say, and, and they did say that, but I was like, damn, this ain't the time to be making jokes. Well, won't you be shut? Yo, man, we're going to be on chat. I can see a bar and say that. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> it was hilarious, but great tour. Great tour. We did Montreal Jazz Festival. Me and Byron Stingley with that live band. First house artist. To do Montreux Jazz Festival. Boris Thingley, who comes from a band called Ragtime, becomes another great house icon like you. I love Byron. You know what I'm saying? These are fam. This is family people. Absolutely. These are all fam. We've Absolutely. hung together. We've toured together. We cried together. Rides, cried, laughed, made fun of each other. Fun. Made and big I fun of each other. <laughs> That's part of it. If we don't do that, if they don't do that with you, you're not liked. That's a fact. If they're quiet, something's wrong. Then you yeah, don't. Byron Marshall just really, really love them. Um, so Paris Breitlich and all of the, the different people. I just remember all of the um, Roy Davis Jr. I love Roy and, and Pevin. Pevin, I haven't seen Pevin Everett in, in, in a few years, but um, all, all of all of the early people, I remember when Gabrielle just dropped. I thought I was going to lose my mind when I heard that song. Oh, oh shock when you heard that single. It was like, whoa. That's... It was like, it just something. If, talk about hitting a bat, hitting your face. It was like, what is yeah. this? Yeah. Dreams, it's, right? It's... Dreams, right? Was that record Dreams, if I remember correctly. Wow. Yeah, Gabrielle. That no, not Gab, not her. Gabrielle, Roy Davis Jr. song. Oh, Gabrielle. Yeah, Roy. Yeah, Roy. That singer. song, Gabrielle. No, yeah. that one, Promised Land, Motherland, all of them kind of under all of them tunes, man. Yes, well, that's when Chicago, New York, was saying something heavy in that time. Really, really, really saying something. I'm telling you. So, just shout out love to all of the pioneers of house, all the ladies, the females, Liz Torres, all ev everybody. I Liz just Torres to me, is, Liz Torres to me is the sound of the end of the garage. 
Hers voice was the garage in New yeah. York. And her records were the records everybody was wanting at that time. Yeah, Liz. I remember Liz. I met her early days too when I was interning. So, so many people, you know, Louis Pitsley, you know, rest in peace. All these, J, uh, JB Ross, you know, <laughs> all, all of these. He was, he was, he was called the rapping lawyer. His thing was pseudobastards. That was his, <laughs> that was his motto. What is it, Kim? Pseudobastards. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Sims, rest in peace, my my ex manager, and all man, all all of these different you know OGs, because Danny Sims was no joke, and and you know Don Taylor, these OGs are real OGs, you know, just really like, you know, all everybody just big up to the posse of house, Lenny Fontana, big up to you, thanks, big honey. up to you, Judy Weinstein, big up to you, Judy. I mean, the, man, the list goes on and on. Louis and the Bay, list goes on and on and on and on. Tony Masters at work. Tony Humphreys. Timmy oh. Regisford. Timmy Regisford. Oh, my God. It goes on and on. The names, it's just, it's like, the, it's the iconic who's It's like it. respect, respect, everybody, you know, just Chaka Khan, girl. Chaka's my girl. That woman, boy, I tell you. I want her on this show so bad. I love her so much. She she took care of me because I was living over here. She was over here and she just I just moved in with her and she showed me really sister love and industry and the the harsh side of the mountain of the industry too and how to deal with that. So Yvette Marie Stevens, girl. You know I love you. <laughs> so, you know, just so many, so many people that um Jean Carn, Jean, because I covered her song, Was It All It Was. She brought me on stage many times to sing it with her. Not all divas do that. Some of them be like, you know, Jean Carn, oh. um, you know, so much. The new ones that came after me and uh a diva, like uh Crystal. Uh, Waters, like uh, C.C. Pennison, like uh, Sybil, because um, all of them came after. Please get this straight. <laughs> I got no, talk. we know that. No, we know like that. Out. Get this straight. They did come after. <laughs> no, we know that. We all remember. I'm just talking to the people out, 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 out there. You know, me and Pat was like, we were pioneering really a lot of different places. And, and, and you know, Wow. Yeah, just really, really beautiful. All the different genres, the 90s, 80s, 70s, the 2000s. Because we fall in the middle. You know, we all fall in the middle of the disco thing and, you know, the house things. Like, we're all right in the dead middle. Because when we were taking off, disco was technically underground again, dead. But we were... We just basically, like Frankie Knuckles always said, we were the disco's revenge. We were this next music that just took over. Yeah, they said disco had a baby and they called it house. That's right. The baby was the house music and here it is. Right. Disco made a child and yeah. house music is that child. And you are groundbreaking first female artist to actually get a proper deal and take it professional all the way. Hence first lady of house. That's where Hence EMI, EMI coined that in 1988. First lady of house music. Yeah. Kim Lazelle, thank you so much. Thank you, Lenny. We love you. You're I love you. 
<laughs> anytime, anytime. You're an icon. You're an icon.